Hey everyone, welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host, Max Bowen. And my next guest, uh, he is a first-time author that I've never spoken to before and I've never met before today. Totally brand new, folks. You won't recognize the voice. You won't recognize the, the, the subject matter. Completely brand new author, Ryder O'Malley, joins me to talk about his Men of Vanguard series of books. Ryder, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Does this mean I don't get my three-time returning token now you uh, 37 seconds 37 seconds and you <sighs> all right i agreed folks. to this show for the token <laughs> oh you almost did it you, you almost made it man you almost made it well folks of course you likely recognize the voice of one remy flag of course you had him on the show several times interviewed him at several events and uh he's back with a brand new name, apparently, for reasons we'll hopefully go into, and a brand new series of books that you're going to want to check out. Man, it's so good to have you back here, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I have now interviewed with you at a convention mm-hmm. in the studio, mm-hmm. and I think this is the second time remote? No, actually, I think it's the third time. So I know we, we, I'm going to have to go. Yeah, I'll have to check my records because I know we had you on talk about the comic series. We did that. But I think we talked to you prior to that. We were talking about the books, and that was when the comic series was just kind of just starting out. I keep track. Oh, this is my fourth time. A fifth. Uh, fifth time. Oh, my God. Fifth time remotely? Uh, No. Fifth time in general, total? Yeah. Wow, five times. You, you would think eventually I would learn my lesson. Yeah, but you I should keep... know me by now. <laughs> you think I would know better than this, but I get, yeah, I sought you out. Oh, no, no, you, saw, you sought me out, and I foolishly agreed. Yeah, I, I don't know why you keep having me back on here. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment. What can I say? What can I say? I know I enjoy the conversation, though. It is a lot of fun talking to you. It's a fun nerding out about the superhero stuff. And I'm very excited to kind of just dive into this brand new stuff. You've got now uh, five books out in the Men of Vanguard series, but you've got a new one out. The Villains of Vanguard, this new book is called Corrupted Desire, all about the bad guys. And boy, are they bad. Yeah, so uh, since we last talked, uh, things took a weird turn. Last time we talked, I was supposed to be moving to uh, Scotland and getting married. And, well, now I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and still very single. All for the best. I wanted an adventure. Here we are. And while this was all going on, I jokingly said I was going to start writing romance because in the superhero genre... If you look at what books are listing in Amazon, it tends to be very romantic or erotic heavy superhero books. And I was like, well, I can do that. And do you remember in the movie Mallrats when they're talking to Stan Lee and asking if uh, Ben Grimm is rock everywhere? I laughed hysterically at that, and I did not realize that that was going to be a defining moment that would eventually lead me into superhero smut. So, thanks, Stanley. This is your fault. <laughs> Stanley's like up in heaven, being like, "Ha ha ha! Perfect! It all, it's all going according to plan." I'm I'm sure he knows what people are doing on Reddit. Oh, there's God. no way around it. There's no way around that. Absolutely, absolutely not, man. Yeah. So that movie is what kicked off your writing these books superhero romance how did that go when you were first uh, starting out i have uh about 
I have 17 books under Jeremy Flagg, and it's zombie satire. It's uh, sci-fi superheroes, cyberpunk. There's some horror thrown in there. Like, that's my kind of passion projects in there. And they've done me really well. And I started talking about doing a romance series because why not? I mean, I'm interested in making some money and I know that romance flies off the shelves. So let's, let's do my homework and get into this. And what I realized is the way bookshelves are organized on Amazon is it's going to be very confusing to the reader to see a superhero series here and a superhero series over there. But one of them is people being maimed in nuclear Holocaust happening in America. And in the other one, people are getting it on just about everywhere. So right off the bat, I realized like it's such a tonal shift that, okay, it's time for a pen name. And this is the best part. Ryder O'Malley, Ryder is the street I grew up on, and O'Malley is my first dog. So this is my porn name. <laughs> oh, my God. But it would work, too. It's a very good porn yeah. name, sir. Well well done. And part of the, the conversation when we, I very first started was the barrier to entry in romance is really difficult for males because the predominant reader is female. And they want the romance through uh, a female gaze, not a male gaze. And mm -hmm. so originally I was like, do I want to go with a female pen name? And then like you saw 37 seconds before I could, I had to reveal the truth. There was no way I was going to be able to have a female pen name and not be me. So writer for like the first, the first book release, I I didn't say anything. I mean, I kept it hush hush for about a month. And then I realized like, no, I I'm writing gay superhero smut. I want them to know that there is a gay superhero geek author behind all of this. So I lasted for, I think it was like 34 days for me. That's a lifetime. <laughs> and here you, and here you can't even last 40 seconds. No, no, nope. not even <laughs> cats out of the bag. I get that. I was like, okay, we got, we got, we got to give him 30 seconds. Just let him get through the intro before we say it. I know. Right. <laughs> I was uh, wondering, actually, I was wondering if we could keep this going for at least like half the episode and then the big reveal. It's really you know, Jeremy flag. It's funny because my, my romance readers have no problem hopping over into my sci-fi series. And they're like, we know this isn't romance. We know that this is going to be, uh, more sci-fi driven, more dystopian driven. We're, we're fine with that. We know what we're getting and they're willing to do that. The sci-fi readers do not hop into the romance genre. They do not want to know what weird, what graphic detail I go into. They're okay with me alluding to it in the sci-fi, but I only have one sex scene on page in 17 books and it's, it's skirted we get through it under a page. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in the romance series, uh, we might dedicate a whole chapter to just the shower scene. Wow. Wow. So how was it pivoting from your like very epic action filled superheroes to, as you said, you know, gay smut. Okay. So when people think of romance, they think of the formula, 
and there is an actual formula that goes into romance uh, writing and it you riff off it all the time like it's kind of like if you were a musician and you say okay i need a standard rock beat okay here's the rock beat but now let's make it your own when i started let me just say my respect for romance authors skyrocketed because i have superheroes which i'm very accustomed to writing but now the romance and the emotional has to be pushed forward and the plot has to take second and i was on track to write like a hundred and ten thousand word romance novel it'd been like 600 650 pages and i was like man i'm doing something really wrong here and i had to go read a whole bunch of romance i had to go <laughs> read textbooks on it and i quickly realized like dude you're writing this for dudes like you are not playing into the fantasy you are giving it is like comparing the show house versus gray's anatomy one is about a sarcastic doctor who is just going to self-destruct and the other one is about a bunch of hormonally driven doctors so it the the first six months of working on the project and it, it took me longer to write that book than it did the sci-fi book before it which is twice as long because I had to rewrite it multiple times because my work wife was like, no one cares about this. Really? Seriously. No one cares. Like you spend a whole chapter in a superhero battle. Where's the romance? Ugh. So I, I had to keep going back and I'm not a very emotional person to begin with. Like I'm all humor and shits and giggles. And I had to go back and be like, okay, Let's watch a Hallmark movie and then go write for a little while. Right, right. You know, I was just thinking that because, you know, we're so dismissive of those movies because they're so very, very formulaic. But, yeah, try and write one and see what happens. And the the actual formula, uh, there's a, a system called Romancing the Beat. And what they did was they actually broke down Hallmark movies and they kind of codified the format of how they go. And there's... There's real reasons, like psychologically driven reasons, why your main character has to have an emotional wound that they don't think they'll fulfill. The other person has to somehow be able to meet that wound and at the same time help them heal. And there has to be a moment where these two things will never come together. But at the end, a grand gesture, like it might be formulaic in the structure, but you can't make it a formula or someone's going to go. This is just derivative. Mm. We're actually making it's Hallmark hard. sound brilliant. This is an achievement, folks. Yeah. It, just imagine if the Hallmark channel was given 10% to go off script and to be a little, a little more daring. And you can in a book, but you always have to come back to the reader who purchased this book wants a happily ever after. They want... Two people who are not completely hateable, or they want them to be so hateable that you're hate reading it. And oh, hate sex. It is some of the hottest sex in the books. <laughs> and so, even though you have this formula sitting in front of you and you're like, oh, this is a map to riches. Oh, it it was a lot of work. And I'm glad I put in the effort. And now I I revisit the structure just to make sure I'm hitting the right notes, but I definitely now I'm comfortable enough to deviate 
and know like I'm hitting the emotional note here so I can skip all these other elements. But it was a learning process. I'll bet. I'll bet. How did you know when you had it? You're like, okay, no more drafting. We've got something good here. Let's proceed. Oh, my God. So there is a scene. It's not even in the... So before I even wrote the first book, I wrote um, a a reader magnet, which is just a, a short thing that you give out to readers for free. And it's, I think, maybe 20,000 words, so maybe like 100 pages. But it was a way for me to work short and still test out, ugh, one, making sex scenes interesting is way harder than you think. Making super sappy moments believable and heartwarming without being too cheesy, I, I had to practice. And there is a moment at the end of the book when I was rereading it, I... I wrote it. I took a week off and then I came back to it. And as I was reading the end, I was like, I must've been late at night. I don't remember how this ends. And I'm kind of going through it. And I was like, Oh, that's sweet. Oh. And then I realized at the end, I was like, Oh my God, I think I'm tearing up over my own damn book. I was like, I, I want to date my own characters, which might be a whole different thing, but that's a whole conversation to have on the couch with, 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 with uh, someone else. That'll be your next podcast right there. Yeah. <laughs> How my books became my own uh, therapy sessions. That is not horribly far from the truth. <laughs> really? Because, you know, what? I, I did read like one thing in the bio where the novels draw on your own experiences. How much of the books are your life? It is each of the couples in the book are based off someone I know. In the second hero book, Infernal Justice, the main character is a paramedic. And my best friend, who is down here in Charlotte with me, is a paramedic. And so when I'm speaking medical stuff in that book, it's accurate because he sat over my shoulder to make sure I wasn't being a complete and utter tool. And I even loosely, like, physically describe these characters based on them. Like, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. And because all of my books feature, like, there's there's some specifics to my books that set them apart from standard romance. They're gay. There's never going to be a coming out of the closet story. We're way past that. They're slightly older, so anywhere from 30 to 45 is kind of the age bracket. And every one of them is a, from bear culture. So they're either chubby, thick, soft, huscular, beefy, bearish, like... I use all the words and I literally just go through my photo catalog and I'm like, huh, you're attractive. I remember you let's you're my, you're now my main character. So yeah. In, in iridescent lust, the main character is my ex. I, I sent him the book. I was like, Hey, you might recognize a few things in here. Have fun. <laughs> Do they ever get back to you? Yeah. He uh, said he fondly remembered the uh, the hot tub as well. Nice. What was it like kind of reliving these experiences, though? Was it good, bad, in between? It is, if your life was to have a highlight reel of your best pornographic moments, that is what the books really are. It is, so all the sex scenes are written very much from a gay man writing about gay sex, but with the intent of the audience is female. So 
there is a certain amount of suspension of disbelief. But I mean, going through some of this, it was kind of like, oh, I forgot why we don't talk. Oh, that's right, because you're psycho. But you were hot in the bedroom, so I'll just I'll I'll borrow from that. So yeah, I, I can thankfully say that uh every sex scene in every book is not fiction which is why my mother can't read any of them they do say to write what you know that is the old chestnut it works yeah why reinvent the wheel exactly yeah yeah exactly so we are now uh five books into this new venture of yours you've got infamous heart infernal justice iridescent heart and invincible nemesis that's the heroes of vanguard series and now the soon to be released fifth book in the villains of Vanguard, Corrupted Desire. So the question to you, sir, Mr. Mr. O'Malley, Mr. Flag, if we can trust you, um, is do you feel like you've arrived as this with this new type of writing, or do you feel like there's more to learn? It, it is kind of funny, because there's this idea in writing that your first series, like, I, I don't fall in love with my own books. I'm my own critic. I'm never going to... Like, if you read my first zombie satire book, you'd be like, man, don't quit your day job. So I have just never, it's been rewritten. It's magnificent now. It's probably my best book. I just got comfortable writing the romance and the books are very lighthearted. They're very fun. Like even the serious moments have good light moments to them. And then I was like, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting comfortable writing this. So let's do something completely different. Not not the smartest business model out there, but I like a challenge. So one of my readers in the very, like one of my very first reviews on the first book was the villain sounds hot. And the moment I read it, I was like, there's going to be a villain series. Like it just, she took the time to detail out this horrible villain that I created and she she didn't care about the main character he's only in the book for like maybe five pages and it was clear that he won her over and so I was like okay I, I'll write a villain series but wait are you, are you supposed to like the villain are you supposed to not like them can my villain make people's heads explode and still be sexy in the next chapter? Like there, there were a lot of questions walking into this one. And like, if you read like mafia romance, the gangsters in that one, I mean, they kill people left and right and brutally do it, but they're going to be having some sexy time later that evening with the person who, you know, makes them feel better about life. And so I was like, I just got comfortable writing romance and now I'm writing dark romance and the rules that one word changes so much and I wasn't prepared for it. So the book, it was actually my shortest write, but it's the one I've had to rewrite the most times because if they're covered in blood, can, can they go have sex afterward? Like, I got logistics questions. Why not? And I had to reach out to other authors and they're like, Oh yeah, that's super hot. I'm like, uh, they don't show that on the Hallmark channel. <laughs> that is, uh, I think that that's Hallmark's like new channel coming out, like Hallmark dark, the hall dark channel. Yeah. 
so yeah, it, it just, I got super comfortable with it. And then something as simple as uh, the villain series. And I could have made the villain series lighthearted, but I made the main villain in the first series so evil and detestable that when I got to the villain series, I only wanted one returning character and he's the only one. And he was so despicable that I had to create the tone kind of around him. So lesson learned, have a, have a little bit better of a roadmap, but at the same time, romance authors, like if you show that you're willing to put in the effort, like they'll, they'll come in and they'll help you out and be like, look, this isn't hitting the right emotional notes. Like they can be ultra violent, but then have them go do this and it's re redeeming. And I'm like, okay, I, I feel like this is a different type of therapy session, but right. here we are. <laughs> Tell us a little more about the villain because reading, uh, reading the book description. So he is in, he's in prison. His ex testified against him and he gets a chance to get out basically to do what sounds like a mob hit. But of course, there's another person out there, a gallant, who is, I'm going to guess, a hero. And he's obviously a conflict, too. In the first series, the the whole concept started as there was this horrible show on ABC that I absolutely loved uh, called uh, American Housewife. In the show, she's like a super sassy woman, and they always go to second breakfast. And that's where they just air their laundry and it's funny. It's sarcastic. It's friends being like really tight and honest with each other. And so I loved that concept so much that in each one of the hero books, it starts at breakfast and they're all at the local cafe. And it always starts with some, some super snarky sex related thing. Like, and that's how it became known as the reverse Alejandro. And of course, Alejandro sitting at the table. Everyone's got questions. So they come together as this kind of lighthearted friend group. And then I'm thinking, villains aren't going to do that. Villains aren't going to sit around a table and have lighthearted banter. So I needed a way to get them around a table. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought of... Amanda Waller from Suicide Squad, she would say, you're going to do this or I'm going to make your head explode. And so I have an Amanda Waller. Her name's Director Latoya. And she frees them, frees these three villains from prison. And the goal is they are being hired to do jobs that heroes can't do. It's brutal. It's off the books. It's a little, a little scandal on the down low. And Part of their release is they are required to go to court-mandated anger management. Their therapist is a supervillain. These three villains sit around a table begrudgingly. They don't like each other, but they're stuck with each other. So that's kind of the, the vibe that starts there. And then after that, he's been in prison for 10 years. He just wants to be free. He flat out admits, like, I was guilty. Like, I did it. He's like, I brutally killed the man, and I'd do it again. He isn't without redemption, though, because he lives in an area of Vanguard called Southland, and it's kind of 
loosely based on West Roxbury, just saying. You kind of got to be careful going out at night because, you know, it's Boston adjacent, but it's not Boston. And so he's doing bad things to make the city a better place. And he's got no problem shouldering that burden until the local new hero shows up who wants to do everything by the books. They both want the same thing, but it's very much a uh, Professor X versus Magneto mentality. Might makes right versus we should all live happily together. And I just really like the opposites attract situation there. Um, I've always loved that from comic books on. Mm -hmm. So now they're just kind of hot and into each other and it gets weirdly uncomfortable as they have to work together for a common good, but never quite trusting each other because they're on opposite sides of the coin. So it was, that was the best fun is making them not get along because apparently I'm good at sabotaging a relationship. <laughs> Again, therapy session. This will be the, the next yeah, episode. I, might as well just relabel them as reasons I'm single. So these books sound like they're a ton of fun for you to write. It's just you having, you know, having a blast basically in this made up world. But, um, what's it been like just creating the men of Vanguard universe? I have my sci-fi world is the children of, uh, Notre Dame and it is dark. It is mankind at its worst and attempting to rally over here in the romance world. Oh crap. That that's not going to fly. Like I like grim, dark dystopian books, but I also like, as you can see, I'm not that type of person in general. Like, I love The Walking Dead, but if there was a zombie uprising, I would die first because I'd be making all the jokes. And so I watched, rewatched Sex in the City for some of the tonal stuff to it because, you know, it's four women. They gather around, drink martinis, and talk about their love lives. And I was like, I like this concept, but there's a certain tone between playful and serious. So I wanted the world to kind of reflect that. And in the world, superheroes in Vanguard are just so common that there's an app for that. It is literally called the hero app trademark. They treat superheroes like Pokemon. There is a, God. Uh, you can go on and you're you're trying to compete with locals to see who can get the most photos of superheroes. And the main one of the main characters, uh, Alejandro, I just wanted him to be a constant damsel in distress. I wanted him to be kidnapped so regularly that it was just a common occurrence. And so at breakfast, the conversation is often, did you make it to work? Uh-uh, kidnapped. How far did you make it? Halfway the block. And as he's leaving, he gets out the door and gets kidnapped. <laughs> I just wanted it to be a certain level of absurdist humor. because, And it's funny because some of the readers are like, he never explains where their powers come from. That's what you're going to 
you're going to harp on? Like <laughs> no one wants an origin story. Like let's just get to the fun parts. Yeah. Yeah. We, that's, that's an odd hill to die on. Cause if you really think about it, like if you like the Marvel shows that are coming out right now, you have to suspend a certain amount of disbelief. There's a God, there's a giant green monster, there's assassins everywhere. And yet Nick Fury in the newest show can't call any of his superpowered buddies for what? Why? Oh, we have to just assume that he can't. In my books, no. We are going to acknowledge, we are going to poke fun at it, and it it's just an ongoing thing. Some of my heroes are dumb as doornails. Some of the, the villains are like accidental villains. Some of them don't know right from wrong and they're just doing their thing. Oh, but here goes a superhero to my side. Oh, I, I didn't realize that building was burning again. I wanted it to be that lighthearted backdrop. And that way the individual character stories could be more serious and each of the characters has a very specific personality type to counter that. Um, in the first book, he's a very insecure character. In the second book, he's a very angry by the books person. In the third, he's a kind of a super sex positive humorous guy. And in the fourth book, he's basically just David Harbour from Stranger Things. So I'm not even going to try and deny that one. It's my David Harbour fanfic. I'm sure it's, um, I'm, I'm sure it's far from the only one. Yeah. I, <laughs> when I was doing my research, let me tell you, <laughs> bet, not the first I'll, one to that part. I will bet you, I'll bet you found a veritable treasure trove. Yeah. And so it, it was fun because, you know, as the, the dad of the group is suffering from this almost debilitating isolationist approach to being a hero his friends are still kind of rallying around him. And there's this backdrop of seriously, the mayor you're trying to kidnap the mayor again. And why do the, all the villains go to the same bank because comic books take themselves so seriously. I didn't want to, and it just kind of jives with my personality in a nutshell. So, yep. I'm surprised you can do any actual serious writing. Cause your defaults does seem to be jokey. In my um, in my dystopian series, there's the main character can teleport, and I just remember my favorite scene in the whole book is they're they're going to face the big bad, and the building has inhibitors, so he can't use his powers to teleport. And they beat up a couple robots, and they they're running to get to the bad guy, and he stops, and everyone's like, "What?" He goes stairs. And they all stop and look at him. I'm like, what? And he goes, I'm a teleporter. I'm fat. I've already been defeated. And I just realized like, it, it's serious. Like if I could teleport, let's just be honest. Like I just reach through a portal, grab the beer out of my fridge. I want to get up. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a perfect power for like people who just don't want to go anywhere. I, and yeah. yet, conversely, my buddy Matt, Matt Zappa, he's joked before that if he had that power, he would still be late everywhere. Oh, yeah. I. It, it would almost, it would come as an expected thing. 
So in that series, he uses his abilities, you know, like a wielding whatever in like he's he he's essentially me in a nutshell, um, except the apocalypse is happening around him all the time. And then in the romance series, my teleporter, if you could open portals that you could just reach through and be elsewhere, that is the coolest glory hole ever. Yeah. So all the powers that are picked for that, I have to go. They're not cool powers. Like they don't need to be cool powers. They need to be sexy powers. That is like a big driving force behind why I pick what I pick. Because if we're in this for the fantasy of it, if I can make lightning from my fingertips, you know, there's something weird going to be happening later in the evening. Man, the playground that you get to have fun in. This is so cool. Um, one thing I was curious about is the books you wrote in the past, were you able to take anything from that, whether it was just like you know, what you learned as a writer or certain elements, or just complete fresh start, blank slate? I tried very, very hard to not reference a single thing in that series, like to a detriment. Because in my sci-fi series, all the powers are rooted in science. Yes, I have a teleporter. Yes, theoretically, it could be possible. But, like, he bends the rules. Everyone else, their powers are pseudo-explained with science. And so in this series, I didn't want that. So I kind of started avoiding certain powers and everything. And then I realized I don't share readers between the two series. Or if I do, if I use that teleporter from my dystopian in my romance the application is going to be a lot different so what i've started doing is actually going through all the powers i have in my sci-fi and dropping them into my romance because it is a different ballpark it's different intention different tone different oh no shapeshifters in the sci-fi series are super like it's painful to have your bones reshaped over here they're shape-shifting into, you know, everyone's dream guy and causing havoc with people's exes. So that part, definitely, now that I'm leaning into it, it it's kind of working. But the biggest piece that I carried over is dialogue. I like fast, witty, punchy dialogue. In comic books... There's always the Dr. Evil quote, the Dr. Evil um, monologue. Why are you doing this? Well, let me explain it to you. In my sci-fi series, I didn't get to use those moments because it's campy. Well, here I have a campy series where their number one tactic for staying alive is making sure that they ask the villain what they're doing so that they go into a monologue. You get time to plot and plan as they explain their story. Hmm. So the things that I had to avoid, it, it took me a little while, but now let's lean into it. Let's make fun of it. Let's, let's poke because comic books are ridiculous i love them they're they're amazing but when you sit back and think about it like seriously how does wolverine not chafe in that outfit well in this series 
I get to talk about chafing. Oh man! Well, you know, uh, well, you know, uh, Remy, this sounds like a really good segue because uh, we're going to talk about it a lot more because you're going to actually read to us a portion of the book. So, folks, we're giving you a little bit of a taste as to what lies in store when you decide to jump into this universe. So, sir, the floor is yours. Go for it. All right. So, uh, just the context the the only the villain series is a standalone. There's no um, there's no need to read the hero series. If heroes aren't your deal, you can jump right into villains. There is a crossover character who his story arc, he's the bad guy of the hero series. So he gets brought in. So he's the only reoccurring character and we all just hate him, but we like to hate him. So uh, otherwise it's a whole new cast of characters, kind of a new situation. And this is actually the opening chapter weirdly enough mm-hmm. all right i apologize for my poor reading skills main education system he'll crack i said it's in your best interest clint added the doc's weak vex snickered everybody at the table froze all eyes fixed on doc as he slumped back in his chair the moment he crossed his arms i knew we had him Our anger management counselor might have received his degree from some fancy college, but tonight we threw down the gauntlet. He snarled before slamming his hands on the table. Fine, you win. Clint and I cheered while Vex leaned forward, suspiciously eyeing the man. Clint stood, gesturing to the bartender, trying to get his attention. When that didn't work, he resorted to yelling. Round of bourbon for the table. He sat down, his butt barely touching the chair before he jumped up again. The good stuff our therapist is buying. Yes, this was the riffraff I associated with. Our boss demanded we attend regular meetings with the doc as part of our release. The first time we met in his office, that had been a disaster, and we left to get smashed at the bar after. Here, nobody cared that we had complicated histories. Living up to its name, he even welcomed anybody with money in their pocket. But the doc surprised us when he showed up at the bar, determined the finished session. Now... Therapy came with a round of free drinks. First, Doc started. You're into the deal. Damien, care to go first? I have nothing to say. That was a lie. Of the patients at the table, Vex probably had the most skeletons buried in his closet. But who knew? Perhaps Clint, the muscle meathead on his other side, was more complex than I gave him credit. That's not the terms of our agreement. Doc, the nickname had started as an ironic derogatory comment and now it stuck each time vex used the term starboard winced i think that's why he insisted on dropping it as often as possible doc when will you learn you can't trust the bad guys i'm not a bad guy clint said just misunderstood the waitress set the drinks on the table damien reached for his glass but lance caught him by the wrist i snatched my drink leaning back in my chair before he could do the same I could only imagine Vex is going to flip the table, and I wasn't wasting free booze. Answer the question, Doc said, or I share a secret for you. Most of the time, the good doctor had an even disposition. It wasn't hard to imagine him nodding his head while he navigated patients through childhood trauma, but now and then something awoke, and he stopped putting up with our crap. Most often, it was Vex who triggered Doc's transformation into Mr. Hyde. Do you have dirt on each of us? Asked Clint. Of course he does, I said. 
Latoya knows everything about us. I took a sip. The bourbon burned as it hit the back of my throat. A decade behind bars removed any pleasure from drinking. I admired the bubbles in the glass instead. Screw it. Took another gulp. I killed my father. I nearly spit my drink all over Doc. Whatever Lance, whatever Starbird had done to the man, it was enough to elicit a confession. He let go of Vex's arm, leaning back in his chair as he lifted his bourbon. He swirled, but he never took a drink. I was bullied in high school. Clint's answer wasn't as noteworthy as Vex's revelation, but explained the brute's obsession with the gym. Before Lance turned in my direction, I finished the bourbon. I'd most likely be drunk within the hour, but dealing with these three, I needed it. He wanted a secret, something we'd never share with another person. I suspected it was to build some sort of connection with the idiots at the table. The conditions of my parole were the only reason I participated. I didn't want ties with these degenerates. You're up, Diesel. Vex enjoyed watching me squirm. I wanted to hit the smug fool. I survived 10 years behind bars being the meanest man in the room. He even might not be prison, but I was still the big bad. As if he sensed me sizing him up, Vex leaned closer. We both know it wouldn't end well. I might be meaner, but Vex had single-handedly mopped the floor with the Centurions, Vanguard's most powerful superheroes. Against him, I wasn't quite sure I'd walk away. I didn't pick fights I couldn't win. With a long sigh, I decided to finally share. My ex is the one who put me away. Want me to kill him? Clint asked. I bet he'd do it. He wanted to be part of this clandestine operation. He'd do anything if it netted him the title of friend. No killing tonight, Doc said. Just a little, Clint asked. I have to remember the offer for the future. That wasn't so hard, now was it? For better or worse, these were the people I worked with. An idiot with too many muscles, a narcissist, and a shrink. By default, I was going to be the bad boy. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. It was a, a challenge to make people who don't want to be in a room together be in a room together and not just sit there and brood. Because mm. it, and that's where the therapy session came in. Originally, they were going to be in a, uh, a, a therapy group of all supervillains. And then I just realized, oh, we can, we can force them into a, a tiny setting together. It just, it took some finessing in the storyline to make it happen. But I mean, the bar is a real place. The, the doc is someone I know. And each of the characters, just like before, they're all kind of based on archetypes of people I've met in the past. So, so far the formula is still working. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. All right. Well, Ryder, Remy, we are coming down to the end of the conversation. Uh, one more question, though, before we wrap this whole thing up. Of course, you've got the new book, Corrupted Desire, coming out on September uh, 14th. And uh, But what's going to happen after that? I hate to say that there's some financially driven things, but if the villain series does well, there is a follow-up um, henchman of Vanguard series that I was I've loosely plotted out. There's also the Monsters of Vanguard, which is more of a monster romance. Um, and then I 
many years ago, I did a short story for an anthology uh, about a tech startup that a guy starts called um, Heroes Incorporated. And he puts out a job, uh, job description that he just, he needs someone, an office assistant, basically. And because it's called Heroes Incorporated, everyone who applies to it is a superhero. And they, they think this would be the perfect cover up. And I realize like, it's a fun, it's lighthearted. It pokes fun at the genre. And I realize, Oh, in my books, the hero app is an actual thing. So I think if I want to go back to the lighthearted, there's a prequel series where the superhero app is being created. And it's basically the office with superheroes. There's at least five more series, like ready to go right in the chamber. Clearly you have absolutely no time to work on this and clearly this is not a huge priority for you. Now, now next year I, I have dubbed it the year of writer and my goal is to put out at least four books in romance next year. Well, all right. Well, folks, if you want to keep up on this and certainly keep a uh, writer, you know, to his task, go to authorwriteromalley.com. It's all there. Get yourself a copy of the first four books of the Hero series, and certainly on September 14th, pick up Corrupted Desire, the first in the Vills of Vanguard series. Basically, if you are looking for some, basically, if you are looking for some sexy, super man-on-man action, these books are where you're going to find it. And Ryder, Remy, as always, a blast talking with you and looking forward to the next conversation. Yeah, maybe I'll have another pen name by then. I look forward to that. Well, thank you for having me again. Again. Your your five-episode badge is in the mail, sir. Next time, I'm making some better security. Yeah, you need to work on that. This is Matches Malone, and you're watching Citywide Blackout. Justice for all. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. You can find this show on your favorite podcast platforms and new episodes are added every week, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. You can get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com. Whether you want to suggest a guest, submit music for the bi-weekly Blackout Collection playlist, or just say hello. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.